Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, back and Adam again. Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, whenever the hell you're listening, uh, we got a lot of football. Had a had a great weekend of football, or so I thought. Just watched the Monday night football game. Uh, I, I was watching the fourth quarter. I'm like, what is my take going to be on this game? I, I still don't, haven't really decided, but I had I had a lot of good thoughts on the weekend, and we're going to dive into, once we get past the Monday night football game, the, the three teams in the NFL that have really separated themselves. Uh, Deshaun Watson, just his performance on Sunday was just fantastic. Some thoughts on Kyle Shanahan, who's... You know, and Richard Sherman, who the 49ers, man, are just kicking ass and taking names right now. And those two deserve a lot of credit. Uh, the Bears, man, Ryan Pace, back to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it's going to be hard to live that one down. And as a GM, you know, you're not defined by your record. You're defined by the players you pick. And that's – he's going to have to uh, – He's going to have to pivot this offseason and figure out a replacement for his mistake in the draft. Uh, The Browns, listen, I I don't know how many times we're going to beat the dead horse, but they're a total embarrassment. Down 17-0 in the first quarter in Foxborough off a bye. Not ideal. And then we'll dive into just some other little things I saw around the league. Uh, And then obviously the Middlecoff mailbag like we do every show. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. And those DMs, same as my Twitter handle, uh, slide up in them, and I'll answer your questions right here on the uh, on the podcast. That's how it's how we interact. You know, we don't take uh, 
Can't take calls because this isn't technically a live show. Well, I mean, I'm as I'm talking, I'm live. But for the show, it's uh, it's the way I like to keep you guys involved. Listen, the Steelers are going to move to 3-4 and four and the Dolphins are 0-7. And, and the Dolphins are probably not going to win a game. Though, I, I say it over and over, they're not the worst team in the league. Their effort's pretty damn good. They, they try really hard. They just stink. Their organization literally punted on the season. They traded every legitimate player they have except Xavier Howard. Ryan Fitzpatrick tries really hard. He's just good enough for you to lose. And the Steelers, listen, man, as we go into November, they got more wins than the Browns. Now, the schedules are not equal. Like the Browns, you know, Patriots, Niners, Seattle, L.A., they play a tough schedule. But the Steelers, with Ben in a sling, and I got news for you, Ben, this injury, he's Big Ben, by about December, he's going to be Big Big Ben. He's going to put on some LBs. Now, he's got a long time, he's got the offseason to shed that weight, but he's going to be a big boy. Uh, And I don't blame him, sometimes you just want to eat and drink a couple cold ones, you know, in the fall, you don't have much to do. But the Steelers are 3-4. and four. They play the Colts this weekend, and then their schedule gets kind of easy. A couple games against the Browns, the Bengals, the Jets. I, I wouldn't quite write them off. And I, and I think sometimes when we get these crazy, terrible matchups late in the season, and you see like a team with one or two wins playing pretty well on Monday Night Football, put yourself in that situation as just a professional. If everyone in like your individual industry is watching you, on a given day, and let's say you're having a bad quarter or a bad year, you're going to try really hard. Let's say you're a presentation and your industry, every single human in your industry watches that presentation. You're going to bring your A game. So I am never, ever shocked when terrible teams like the Dolphins, you know, are winning at halftime in a Monday Night Football game. Everyone's watching. They're humans. They get it. Fans, the league, their families. Like, we're all tuned in to Monday Night Football. That's why you tend to get, unless you're the Jets, you know, a pretty competitive game, even when the talent is not really equal. And for the Steelers, like, you know, if Mason Rudolph can just somehow not turn the ball over, they do have a fighting chance because they do have some pieces on offense. Juju's a stud. Uh, Deontay Johnson can fly. James Washington, in theory, playing with his college teammate should be decent. James Conner's a good player. You know, their defense is playing a little bit better now. And, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Steelers could, you know, compete 8-8-ish, eight and 9-7. Eight and seven. It's going to be a little hard to catch the Ravens, but someone texted me tonight, you think they can catch the Ravens? I'm like, well, the Ravens got the Patriots this weekend, so they're about to be 5-3, and three, and the Steelers would be two games back. Now, obviously, they're going to play each other uh, again, so you get to control your destiny a little bit there, but Mike Tomlin's record speaks for itself. He's never had a losing season. Now, this is his biggest challenge by far. He's playing with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback, and and Roethlisberger, and Le'Veon Bell's long gone, and Antonio Brown's long gone, and Plaxico Burris is long gone, and Emmanuel Sanders, and Mike Wallace, Like he's, but he's got the new guys, and they, they've historically drafted pretty well. And this is a tough place to play. It's a passionate fan base. So I I wouldn't totally write off the Steelers. Now, am I more inclined to think they're going to be 6-10 and 10 than 9-7? and 7? 100%. But when you have a culture and a belief, like you watch two teams tonight. One team just said, I'm punting in August. The Steelers would, would light Heinz Field on fire before they punted on a season. 
Now, I, I we all don't always agree with that. I wouldn't have traded a first-round pick for Minka, but that's why they're the Pittsburgh Steelers and not, let's say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Miami Dolphins. They have standards. They have a culture. They have a business and a, a brand to maintain. So if I'm a Steeler fan, you know what? I, I go to sleep tonight, we're three and four, and I, I do appreciate the mindset. Like we don't we don't just tap out when times get a little shitty. Because guys like Middlecoff are like, what are you doing trading for Minka? Hell yeah, we're trading for Minka. Because the Browns stink, the Bengals are worse, and it's not like let's not act like Lamar Jackson is is Patrick Mahomes here. Let's let's see him throw for three hundred yards in a couple games against good teams before we just, you know, act like we can't catch anybody. I'd say, you know what? Fair. I, I I respect it. So, as of right now, there's about 144 left. Steelers, 27-14. The, the Dolphins covered 14 points. It was a lot of points to take on Monday Night Football. But, I, I you know, I, I crushed that Minka trade. But the more and more as the season goes and the Steelers just find ways to win games, you, you got to respect the commitment to their brand of, we'll do whatever it takes to win. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on road. And uh, I was coming back on the plane and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. 
And what did the deep state build under Denver Airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get into something that really stood out to me this weekend. And I thought about it when I was at a wedding. I was, at a, I was at a wedding in Yosemite. It's this area in California, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Have you ever seen the movie Solo? I think it's on Netflix, the dude that scales the mountain without a rope, crazy-ass dude. But just beautiful area. First time I've lived in California, the majority of my life, never been there. Uh, and I, I realize why so many people rave about it. It's awesome. But at this wedding, I was probably the poorest individual there. There were several really, really successful businessmen. And just kind of BSing over cocktails, not that this is like breaking news here, but the thing you always learn is that I'm talking guys worth, you know, not seven figures or even eight figures. I'm talking nine figures, very, very high end businessmen. And typically they all have something in common. They're very, very well diversified. Now, I'd say most people start with doing one thing really well, just like football. When you look at the Niners, the Saints and the Patriots, you go, well, Belichick's defensive guy, Peyton and Kyle are offensive guys. A businessman, you start doing something specific. And then the more money you make, you diversify. Like Ray Kroc once said, Michael Keaton, the McDonald's movie, fantastic. It's called Founder. He says, we're not in the burger business. We're in the real estate business. Like McDonald's owns all the real estate and owns all the buildings. Everyone's like, oh, they make burgers. They push a bunch of products. Yeah, they make their money off of land. And I think a lot of people, when you meet them, if they're farmers, whatever they do, you go, well, they own like three separate businesses and separate industries. They may own a building with a bunch of units that they rent out. They may own parts and pieces of businesses in other states that are just consistent cash flow. That mailbox money, they call it. Then they have their own cash gal that they're usually the president, CEO, main owner of that business, whether it's a farming operation, whatever. You know, whether it's printing paper, who cares? But the, as you gain money, you start kind of expanding out. So no matter what happens, you talk to financial people right now, they kind of think a recession's coming. Who's usually the most unaffected by recessions? The super, super rich, because they got shit all over the place. And so if one market goes, they're also involved in other markets in terms of like other businesses, and they're usually unfaced. People like me and you get screwed if you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. You're the one that's really impacted. And I, I think the best teams in the NFL right now are by far the most diversified. When you look at Sean Payton, you look at Kyle Shanahan, and you look at Bill Belichick's team, 
They do a lot of different things well. They play really good defense. Like the 49ers, for example, have a great defensive line. They have good linebackers. They have excellent DBs. And they're the best rushing team in the NFL. And they have the best tight end in the league. And now they added Emmanuel Sanders. They can now throw the ball. Now you get Drew Brees back. You got Alvin Kamara, who's going to come back from injury. You got one of the best receivers in the league in Michael Thomas. You got multiple other playmakers that are serviceable. Then you got an elite defense. All these teams play good special teams. We all know about the Patriots. So if one day Jimmy Garoppolo's off, just run the ball. Dump it off, run screens to Kittle and the running backs, and just play D. The Patriots, their offense has kind of been hit or miss as they're figuring out all these new pieces. It doesn't even matter. They play good special teams, and they dominate you on defense. Same thing with uh, Sean Payton. Like, Drew Brees is out for a while. Don't worry. We'll just run the ball. Teddy Bridgewater will have moments, and we'll play great defense. We'll play good special teams. Doing a lot of things well. That's the issue right now with, like, Kansas City, even when Mahomes comes back. They just, they're not diversified enough. Their defense just isn't good enough. And it's pretty clear right now, I would also put Minnesota and Green Bay on the next tier. Green Bay, early in the season, their defense was awesome. It's kind of fallen off the map for, you know, the standards we're talking about. And right now, they're becoming an Aaron Rodgers team again, which is fine. But you're, for them to win a Super Bowl or get back to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to play better defense. And you'd go Minnesota, their defense is actually playing pretty well. They really can run the ball. And if Kirk Cousins throwing the ball, you could argue they'd be in the top tier. It's hard for me to trust Kirk Cousins, but I think that's the difference of those top couple teams and kind of the next group with so many flaws, so many issues that they can withstand a bad game. They can, you know what? The the 49ers defense is bound for a clunker one of these games. That'll be a game when Kyle Shanahan and the offense must score 40 points. We know they have that in the back. Same with the Patriots. Like at the end of the day, if your offense is the problem with the Patriots and you got Tom freaking Brady as your quarterback... I think you're going to be okay. I got a DM this week uh, just from someone that was like, Middlecoff, get off the Patriots nuts. Was that like a cool comment in 2008? It's 2009, bro. They've been to eight straight AFC championships. They've won six Super Bowls. They've been to nine. If you're not on their nuts, what are you doing? Like it's, no, it's just, I just acknowledge greatness. And they've been kicking the crap out of the league since I was a sophomore in high school. I'm now 35, and I don't have any hair. So, yeah, I'm on their nuts, I guess. I mean, <laughs> have you watched them play? I, I mean, are, are, you, are you new to this thing called National Football League? Uh, I don't know what to tell you. And the Saints, their biggest issue over the years, when we flipped this century right, it was the defense. The defense, the defense couldn't hang with some of those Sean Payton offenses when Drew Brees was putting up historic numbers. Now, what do they do really well? Texting my offensive coaching buddies throughout the league. They're like, Dennis Allen and just the talent they have on defense is really rolling. And one thing's clear when you get to the playoffs, and it's ring true since the 60s, and it still holds true now. Defense and running the football, it travels well. Now, for the Patriots, they won't have to travel. They basically clinched home field you know, advantage, and we're not even in November. But when it comes to the NFC, When you're talking about Minnesota, obviously the Saints, the 49ers, you're going to need to run the ball and you're going to need to play defense because whether you have a home game or whether you're on the road, that shit always works. And right now, those top teams in the NFC are all doing that. They are very, very well balanced. And it's hard to do this in the modern day NFL, especially once you pay a quarterback. You're going to have to hit on some mid-round picks. There's a reason these coaches, I say it all the time, 
you hear it from a million people now. You're the coach and they're allowing it to happen. My big thing, if I'm paying an offensive coordinator or, you know, my head coach is making whatever and he's the play caller, then, you know, my defensive coordinator is making seven figures. Figure it out, bro. What are you getting paid all this money? Like, I, I get it's the NFL and it's a billion-dollar industry. There are a lot of billion-dollar industries where, you know, the equivalent of a defensive coordinator ain't making seven figures. Maybe he's making five hundred grand. But defensive coordinators in the NFL are making $1.2, $1.5, 2000000 million. I don't want to hear excuses. Coach guys up. Develop guys. I'm seeing in my backyard, Akello Weatherspoon goes down, the 49er starting quarter opposite Richard Sherman. They bring in an undrafted free agent to fill in his spot. He just had a pick. He's had multiple PBUs. The kid just can't stop making plays. Robert Sala, that's seven figures they're paying him every year, is earning it. And I, I, I think we see so many coaches around the league make excuses. We can't get it done. We don't have the talent. Come on, man. That There are so many guys that are so quick to point the finger and say, just coach these guys up. That's your job. Coach them up. You don't have to deal with ticket sales. You don't have to deal with marketing. You don't have to deal with travel. You don't have to deal with equipment. You don't have to deal with anything. Most of these plays, you don't even pick the players. Just whoever you got, coach them up. Don't make excuses. And right now, the best teams in the league, obviously Belichick, hasn't made an excuse in 50 years. He's not an excuse guy. Uh, The 49ers and the Saints right now, the Saints lost Drew Brees. They didn't even skip a beat. They did not lose a game. The only game they lost was when the game Drew Brees got hurt in. Then once he got week to prepare with Teddy Bridgewater, they just started rolling. Seattle, Dallas, Jacksonville. Sing, see ya, see ya, see ya. Win, 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 win. The 49ers lose a couple tackles. They got their right tackle played in the AAF. That league that went bankrupt about four or five games in. The AAF. McGlinchey's been out for multiple games now. Joe Staley broke his leg like a month and a half ago. They started a six-round rookie at left tackle who wasn't even their third tackle, who was their fourth tackle because their third tackle tore his knee in training camp. I didn't hear Kyle bitching and moaning. He just gets it done. So you got teams that are well-diversified. you got coaches that don't bitch and moan and complain. They just get the freaking job done. They play with whoever shows up. Because in this league, guys get hurt. Last night, I'm watching the, the, uh, the NBC night game. I didn't see Andy Reid go, ah, we don't have Patrick Mahomes. Let's just mail this thing in. Well, coach, Matt Moore, you know, he was coaching high school th- four weeks ago or, you know, four months ago. He was going to be a scout for the Dolphins. No, he just dude throwing touchdowns, trying to make plays. The best coach in this league, not only, they just don't complain. Just whoever shows up, get the job done. And when you look at your squad, you you have to have a balanced team. And if you're not, if you're an offensive coach, your defensive coach, whoever you choose to be that defensive coordinator, and then his coaches, they have to be able to develop guys. Because nowadays, so many of these coaches, hell, even Belichick's now calling the defense. If, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're the offensive play caller. So you're spending the vast majority of your time on the offensive side of the ball. So you have to really trust that guy. And you put in, you just put in a lot of power in that guy's hands. And then obviously you got to pick the right players. But then you guys have to develop them when you get them. In the offseason, in the regular season. That's, that's what you're paid to do, coach. I always thought this when I worked in the league. Coaches that just lived in the film room. It's like, guys, no one cares how much you know. The best coaches are great teachers on the field. Always texting their players. Always communicating with their players. Obviously, coaches are going to spend a lot of time by themselves in a film room. 
But the point of the sport on Sunday, it does not matter if the coach knows the, the game plan like the back of his hand. If his players don't understand it and just have an opportunity to like, okay, I can get it, and then I can attempt to execute it, what's the point of all this work during the week? And the, the best coaches in this league, and it's always been this way, but you see it more and more now than ever, are just such good teachers. And these top teams, and I think this is why at the end of the – you know, when the season – when we get to the Final Four, aren't you going to be shocked if it's not – the Patriots are going to be there. The Niners, the Saints, the Packers, and the Vikings, like – Two of those three teams are a lock to be in the NFC Championship game. I would be floored otherwise. They're just too well put together. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. 
I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let me hit on, uh, really quick, I want to bring something up on the 49ers. And... You know, I, I supported Kyle the first two years. It was clear he was a really, really good coach. The players, guys like Joe Staley, I'm saying the players that had, had been there and done that, spoke so highly of him. Last year when they signed Richard Sherman, the way he spoke about him, it was like, yeah, they weren't winning, but they had some legitimate, you know, variables going against them. The first year they didn't have a quarterback. Last year Jimmy got hurt. We, we've talked about it a million times. But... The one thing you see right now with the 49ers is when Kyle is equipped, it's a wrap. He is such a good play caller. His rhythm and flow on a given game on calling plays, and and I tweeted this out, they're probably the rare team, and hell, you might be able to throw the Saints, but Teddy Bridgewater would be much better than the 49ers backup quarterbacks, and I, I like Nick Mullins. But great offensive coaches, and I mentioned this with Coach Reed, with Matt Moore, you give them a week to prepare, like you could give them me or you, and they'd have a chance to score points. But when you give them a legitimate quarterback, and they got some weapons, it's on. And it's on like Donkey Kong. And right now, Kyle Shanahan's kind of flexing his muscles. And the 49ers franchise, who is historically defined by offense, Montana, Walsh, Young, Hell, even Steve Mariucci, Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens, to Harbaugh with Kaepernick, to now Kyle Shanahan. Their best teams. And I, I listen, I was born in 1984. I don't know those. I mean, I know through legend and, you know, hearing these guys that live around Northern California forever, the Ronnie Lots, and I, I, I get it, but I watched the 90s teams. And the team in 94 that had Steve Young, who was the NFL MVP, had Jerry Rice in like the peak of his powers, had Brent Jones, who was a star, Ricky Waters. I mean, they were stacked. They were absolutely loaded. The defense had Deion Sanders, Merton Hanks, Tim McDonald, like pro bowlers. Bryant Young, I think, was the defensive rookie of the year. Dana Stubblefield was an excellent player. The best, and obviously the Harbaugh teams were defined by defense. The best 49ers teams always had elite defenses. Always! Like, for a team that, when you just say San Francisco 49ers, you think, oh, West Coast, offense. They're defense, man. And right now, it's it's impossible. The defense that the 49ers had for those three years under Harbaugh, his first, second, and third year, was elite. And Bowman and Willis would probably be why I'd take that defense over this one. Those guys were two of the best players I've ever seen play together. They were incredible. But what this 49ers defense is doing right now, it's it's all kind of connected. 
And for as great as Nick Bosa's been, and Eric Armstead looks like an all-pro, and D Ford's making plays, and their linebackers are good, their secondary is unreal. I, I mean, Richard Sherman is playing at such a high level, and, and I don't think it can be understated, or maybe it's the word would be overstated, how impactful he's been. One, as a player. I mean, last year he was good, but he was coming off the Achilles. This year... I don't know if he's like peak 2013-14 Richard Sherman, but he's a pro bowler. I mean, he's one of the one of the better corners, one of the better DBs in the league. He, he is playing at a super, super high level. And I, I bet he'd tell you, yeah, physically, maybe I'm not what I was when I was 23, but I'm infinitely smarter. And when you bring a guy like that, to me, he's I, I say this all the time about him, he's the most physical tackling corner I've ever seen. He doesn't talk as much as he once did. You know, he's not as boisterous in terms of just... He's actually pretty understated now in a... Uh, in, in That's weird. Who would have ever thought we'd say that four or five years ago? And you, you mature as a human, and it's just not as necessary probably to talk because you just back it up. But the swag that he brings just being around those guys, you know, because anytime you're going to win for the first time, you, it helps when you have someone who's been there before. This guy's been to multiple Super Bowls. He's going to walk into the Hall of Fame to be like, guys, this we're, we're headed in the right direction. And he was saying that over and over last year. And Kyle Shanahan, who had been to the Super Bowl, now granted as an offensive coordinator, was saying the same things. We're headed in the right direction. But I think for a lot of us on the outside, it's like, well, are they eventually going to win? Are they going to get this done? And now they are. And the way they're doing it, is they are kicking the shit out of people. They took the Panthers, who, you know, they'll probably be an 8-8 eight eight team at the end of the year. They made them look like a zero-win team. That was That's as big of a beatdown as you'll see all season long. Offensively, they run it right down your throat. And the thing that makes Kyle special, and he kind of has some parallels to Harbaugh in the sense, he lives to run the ball. He wants to shove the run down your throat until you tap out and say uncle. And most young guys, including me, like if you're like, hey, Middlecoff, going to let you call plays on this drive. What plays would you call? Passes? <laughs> I would throw bombs. I would throw like skinny posts. I would throw just deep breaking routes. Most young coaches want to throw the ball. I don't blame them. It's fun to throw. He's kind of old school in that sense. I mean, now granted, he learned from the master's father. They will gash you till the cows come home. If you put a good defense with a good run game, you're going to win games. And then Jimmy just keeps getting better and better. And then you factor in Kyle's ability to call plays. He's a magician. Like, I I feel pretty confident saying the Niners are legit. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Are they even going to be a top two seed? I don't know either. They still play the Packers. They still play the Saints. And you kind of look at the, the standings. Packers have one loss. The Saints have one loss. The Niners right now are undefeated. They play on Thursday night football against the Cardinals, which they should win. But they still then they play Seattle. They play Seattle twice. They play those teams. They play the Ravens. Like they're gonna, they're not gonna run the table. Fourteen and two is probably what it's gonna take, in my opinion, to get a first round buy in the NFC. There's a chance that you could go thirteen and three and be the three seed and be like playing, you know, the Rams in the first round. So, we don't know where this Niners team is going to be seated, but we know, the, we know the Saints are good. We know the Packers are good because of Aaron Rodgers. Like, the, the Niners are on their level. Now, are they going to win those games? I don't know. Great part about the season, we're going to find out. But, 
after watching them after the bye. They came at, after that. They went on the bye, and they were 3-0. and I hate early byes, but it is what it is. And we're like, are these, what are these guys' deal? And they came out, and they took Freddie Kitchens, and they said, you don't belong, and beat the living crap out of them. Then they went to Washington, or excuse me, they went to L.A., and it was like, yeah, you guys are decent. We're going to kick the crap out of you, and they did. Then they went to Washington, they played in the Mud Bowl, and they just, it's the NFL, they found a way to win. Off the Mud Bowl, they came back, and they played the Carolina Panthers, and they made them look like the Washington Redskins. Would have looked on a dry field. That, that That's as impressive of a game as you'll see. And, and Kyle, and the mindset, and guys like Richard Sherman, and obviously drafting the right players deserve a ton of credit. But the Niners are not going away. Okay, let's... Uh, Let's dive in. I was watching the Raider Houston Texan game yesterday. We we got power outages right now, and my, my power went out mid 49er third quarter and the Raider halftime. I had to adjust on the fly. Luckily, the gym I belong to is also a hotel and has uh, has games set up, or just, I mean, has TV set up. They had all the games going Sunday, so I just threw some stuff in a in a uh, backpack and flew to the gym. So I didn't miss much. And I didn't miss Deshaun Watson. And I, I think, I've been thinking a lot about this the last 24 hours. And trying to figure an analogy. And I, I don't really have one. But, you know, sometimes in life we just overthink things. And it happens a lot in scouting. You know, when a guy, you know, Colin always says, like, just listen. The guy's going to tell you who he is from a personality standpoint. I think sometimes, just watch. The guy's going to tell you who he is. Like, Dalvin Cook right now is probably my favorite player in the NFL. I didn't love him as an NFL prospect. I think I overthought that one. I, I, I absolutely love the way the guy plays. And Deshaun Watson, who, when, when I first got to the NFL in 2010, you know, I was very, you know, versed on West Coast football, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and even following, like, you know, the Big 12 and stuff. But I, I wasn't super locked in on the ACC from an NFL standpoint. And I just remember hearing all these stories like, oh, Clemson, man, produced all these NFL players, but they never win a damn thing. And think about it. They always had all this talent. And as my guy Phil Savage always told me about Jimbo and Florida State, they recruit an SEC player and they play an ACC schedule. And once Florida State fell off the map, Dabo changed Clemson. But... One of the big reasons he changed Clemson is because he got this guy named Deshaun Watson. And we all saw it. And it wasn't just against Duke and North Carolina and Miami, who's the, all these programs are down. It was in the playoffs against the best and the brightest. It was looking Nick Saban right down the gun barrel and going toe-to-toe with him in a loss. And a year later, he comes back and finds a way to beat him. Walk-off touchdown. Dabble tried to tell us all the kid is Michael Jordan. Even John Gruden yesterday. John Gruden compared him to Michael Jordan. And I don't blame him. Because in this world that we live in, in this world, i got to find this video. Just listen to this. The guy made a lot of plays, man. He made a lot of plays. Fourth and one, coming out of the locker room to start the third quarter. You know, they go for it on their own 30-yard line, and he runs for it there. A couple scramble completions. You know, you just um, you tip your hat to Watson. He was awesome today. Doggone Watson. Um, yeah, we only had the ball three times in the second half. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Had a lot of penalties. And, um, Doggone Watson. 
and you watch the game. I, I don't even have his box score up in front of me. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. I could care less. If you told me uh, the game I watched, he threw a couple picks. He only completed 20 balls. He only threw for 200 yards. You can't quantify what this dude brings to the table. You can't quantify it. Now, obviously, he threw multiple touchdowns, and you can't quantify that stuff. He made a play yesterday, the game-winning touchdown. He got kicked in the face as he's falling to the ground. Somehow has the the balance and body control and just the athletic ability and just will to keep his feet just and his body erect while looking down the field, gets kicked in the face. They did a slow-motion shot of his face. He even tweeted it last night. It said, the one-eye bandit. He had one eye as he's bleeding from his face, and he throws a touchdown. It was one of the most remarkable second halves. I don't even think the Texans are that good, but I think they're a locked playoff team because of this guy. And and back to the Breeze and the Brady, and and it's a quarterback league, which is true. You're going to need a quarterback to make big plays in the playoffs. But now to really be a 13-3, 14-2 team, you need a really diverse team. I, I truly believe that. But the quarterback league, the, the Texans right now aren't that good. They're, they feel like a two-man team. Now, literally, with J.J. Watt, do Torres Peck, he's out. Deshaun Watson, the Raiders should have won the game. They were up the majority of it. They were out playing him. The kid just wouldn't let him lose. He refused to lose the game. And in a day and age when we love to quantify everything. Hell, I worked in corporate America for a little bit before I came to the podcast world. Technically, it's still corporate America with Premier and Fox. But it's it's less, and I'm not saying numbers aren't big now because they are. But when you work for corporate America where no one necessarily knows you, they just judge you on the numbers. It just becomes like you can work with people that aren't that good, that get promoted, and guys that are really good that don't. It doesn't always tell the, the, the correct story, in my opinion. And I'm not, obviously the numbers are good to Deshaun Watson, but what I witnessed yesterday, the will, the desire, then just the ability, I think so many people, including myself, when this guy was coming out, well, he doesn't have the arm strength, well, he doesn't do this, he was so good in college, and he's so good now that he's going to go down, I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer, the guy will be in the Hall of Fame if he can stay healthy, I, I say that without hesitation, if Deshaun Watson stays healthy, he's going to the Hall of Fame like it's just, it's it's a lock. Like the only thing that will withhold his ability to make it there is health. And you know, I'll get into the team that that picked a player over him coming up. But what an incredible performance! I, I felt like as a just a sports fan first and foremost. That's why I do this because I love watching these games. You turn off that game, and even Raider fans. You know, they're mad at the refs. They're mad at everyone. You just, like Gruden said, you just tip your hat to the guy. Doggone Watson. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including 
sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, What? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get into uh, the Bears. And uh, I guess they're my Bears. They were definitely my Bears when they won the division. Uh, I, I don't feel quite as confident claiming them anymore because I, I, I don't like the quarterback. I actually liked him coming out of North Carolina. but And the quarterback we just talked about, in probably any industry, you have certain things that define you, like in whatever your business is. Uh, I, I guess in the podcast slash radio business, it would be like ratings, right? You're just defined on how well you do because how well you do then generates the revenue. 
And then, I mean, ultimately all this stuff, you know, even what I'm doing is a business and the point is to generate revenue, right? I, I say it all the time, like this, unless you work for a charity, you, your number one goal in America, if you're running a business is to make money. Well, in, in pro sports, it's to win games and GMs because they, you know, GMs can say all they want. The win loss record reflects them. Kinda. It reflects much more of the coach. You get much more credit as a GM about the players you pick. About the players you pick. That's how ultimately, like, the reason Bill Polian is in the Hall of Fame, yeah, his teams are really good and he was part of Super Bowl, it's because of all the Hall of Famers he picked. Al Davis, I think, has the record in the Hall of Fame, pick like eight Hall of Fame players. Like, that's what defines you as an executive. Who do you pick? And when you pass on players, especially at quarterback, and you take another quarterback, like we wouldn't talk about Bill Polian, and he wouldn't have been in the Hall of Fame if he had taken Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning. Just the fact. Ryan Pace has built an excellent team, made an easy trade for Khalil Mack. Allen Robinson has, you know, drafted Eddie Jackson. Keem Hicks signed him, drafted or signed Danny Trevathan, drafted Roquan Smith. Has done a really, really good job. Except his quarterback is a disaster. Yesterday he had two fourth quarter turnovers in a game where they had a six point lead. Now we can harp all we want about the missed field goal. I disagree with the strategy, but I also understand it. And as Deion Sanders said last night on NFL Network, make the freaking kick. Like that's what you're paid to do. Make the freaking kick. It's not a 55 yarder, it's a 40 yarder. Hit it. And if you tell the coach to put it in the left hash and you hook it, that's on you. Hit the kick. Split the uprights. So I, I don't even pretend to understand kicking mechanics or anything. All I know is black and white. You either miss the kick or you make the kick. Wind wasn't blowing that much. Hit the kick. But Mitch Trubisky right now is a major problem. And for as good of a team as Ryan Pace has put together, and I think top to bottom, not counting the quarterback, it's a top 6-7 roster in the NFL. But his quarterback's a disaster. And as I just talked about this guy who's headed to the Hall of Fame as a Houston Texan, you have the other guy. They went to the same conference. They came out in the same draft. You even traded up a spot from pick three to two to get this guy. And now you're stuck with him. But as I've talked about on previous podcasts, you only make this work if you pretend it's not an issue. Now, I think we're at the point where you can't even pretend that, but you can't pick up the fifth-year option. That is not an option anymore. And I think you have to think about, I, I tweeted on Sunday, I'd cut him. Now, Chase Daniel stinks. You, you're not going to do that. you got to just play with Mitch the rest of the year. But I would cut him after this season. I would just move on. Because he's he's not even good enough to be your backup. Just move on. And it's hard, the dynamics of having the guy being the former starter and now your backup. Just cut it. Just cut bait and, and move on. Because the longer that you hold on to your L's, and this is going to be the biggest L he'll hopefully ever take, and it's a big L, the worse you'll look. And the faster you can be reactive and proactive of searching for another quarterback, searching for an upgrade, the faster, you'll never shake this, but people will learn to forget. You know, because your team, if you just get top 15 quarterback play, if you could just get a Jacoby Brissett, hell, even an Andy Dalton, maybe we'll be back in the playoffs next year. But if you keep doing and rolling this guy out and pretending that it's off, we just... Another year of development, it ain't happening. There was a reason he was a one-year starter in college. 
There was a there's a reason right now that he throws a fourth quarter pick and then has a fourth quarter fumble. And you're on the goal line, you run seven plays and he can't score a touchdown. He's not good enough. He's not good enough. And in professional sports at the highest level, even these guys like Mr. Bisky's a an elite athlete relative to the rest of us. But when you put him on an NFL field and you ask him to play NFL quarterback, he's below average. He just is, you know? He can have some moments, and he made a nice play with his legs. But at the end of the day, at that position, you have to be able to win by throwing the football. And he can't consistently hit layup throws. So I, I, I think the faster these guys, and you're not going to be able to do it till the offseason, can just throw up the red flag and just say, I whiffed. I missed. It sucks. I apologize to the fans, but we will do everything in our power to upgrade the spot the faster you can begin to just forget this little era in Barrick's quarterback history. Okay, I flipped on the Patriot game this morning because I, I didn't get to watch it yesterday. Uh, I was watching the Raider game and the Niner game, and I, I can only consume so much at one time. So, you know, before I come on, anything I'm going to talk about, great part is I, I people always ask, like, how do you watch the games? Get the NFL app. You can rewatch all the games. You can watch TV copies. They do a condensed version in 30 seconds, or I mean 30 minutes. You can't watch a game in 30 seconds. 30, 30 to 35 minutes, easy to consume any game you want in the league on Sunday. And my one big takeaway from the Browns, listen, we all know all their variables, right? They have a ton of talent. They have a cocky quarterback that is talented. They have a coach that clearly probably doesn't know what he's doing. They got a crazy-ass owner. They got an ego-driven general manager. Like, you put it all in the combination, you shake it up, and you get the Cleveland Browns. The game was over at the end of the first quarter. The Browns coming off a bye, the Patriots played a Monday night game. Now, you could say the Monday night game was like a practice against the Jets, but they still played a Monday night game. On the road, the Patriots were up at the end of the first quarter, 17 to nothing. 17 to nothing. I would imagine... Every game that the Patriots have had a double-digit lead, let's just say a two-touchdown-plus lead, at the end of the first quarter in Foxborough, since those two guys, the coach and the quarterback, have been running this operation, there's no chance they're not at minimum maybe one loss. I'd be shocked if it's not an undefeated record. The game was The Browns had no shot. It was done. Obviously, all the penalties... The, the Brown, I mean, Baker's, the, the one pick that he threw to the defensive lineman, just the, the, the fundamentals for the Patriots, creating fumbles, doing all the little things. The, the Cleveland Browns just cons- consistently look discombobulated. Coming off a bye? Coming off a bye. It, it is just, it's everything most of us thought the Browns would be, though. Uh, a lot of talent. Not much discipline, uh, not very consistent in their schematical approach. What defines them? Who are they? Like, what do they do well? Just bring up most teams in the league. Just close your eyes and think. Think Baltimore Ravens. What do you think? Run game. Lamar Jackson running around, making plays. Harbaugh, just tough guy. I'll, I'll just pick random teams. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just going to throw it deep. He might turn it over, but he might throw a touchdown. Uh, the Houston Texans, just Watkins and Hopkins, carry you. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, run the ball, pass rush. Seattle Seahawks, run the ball, Russell Wilson, go Houdini. The Cleveland Browns, 
Freddie Kitchen looking bewildered on the sideline. How does he consistently look so lost? And it always comes back. You know, Jim Tom Sula consistently look lost. Have you ever been asked to do something that when you're not prepared, you look lost too, if you could look at yourself? When you're doing something and you're in so over your head, you don't have answers when things come up. And when you're in a public business like the NFL and there are cameras on you at all time, you can't fake it. You can't hide it. Everyone's looking at you. And when the Browns, when they traded for Odell Beckham, when you add Odell Beckham to your team, everyone's really going to look at you. They're 2-5. and five. And so they have nine games left. To me, to have a legitimate shot, even in the AFC, which is not as good as the NFC, 9-7 and seven, probably not a lock. But if you got 9-7, and seven, you'd have a chance. So in the next nine games, they'd have to go 7-2. and two. I don't care, well, if they played the Miami Dolphins every game the rest of the season, they would probably make the playoffs. But why would they be a lock to beat the Steelers, to beat the Ravens again? They're not a lock to win any game beside maybe when they play the Miami Dolphins or even the Cincinnati Bengals. To think that under Freddie Kitchens, in an NFL schedule, that they can figure out a way to go 7-2 and two over their next nine is not realistic. Because they're going to lose. Part of being a undisciplined, undefined operation is you're going to lose. Like, yeah, of course you're going to lose the Patriots or get your ass kicked by the Niners or lose the Rams or Seattle. Like, yeah. (laughs) A little unfair. I mean, their schedule, they've just played a lot of good teams. They've lost a lot of games. But part of their problem now is the way they're run and the way they're led by Freddie and the players they have now and the bad habits they've now developed. It is impossible to go 7-2. and I would say... I would be floored if they're able to just rattle off some win streak and keep their playoff hopes alive. They're not equipped to do that under Freddie Kitchens. It's just not possible. The division's over because the Ravens are already 5-2. and two, So they have a, well, they have beat the Ravens. So if they could ever just get to their level. But how do the Ravens not get to 10 wins? I mean, they're 5-2. and two. Let's say they lose this weekend to the Patriots. They're 5-3. and three. They go 5-3 and three the second half of the season. Boom, they're 10-6. and six. There's just no chance... You're telling me the Browns could possibly, you know, if they beat them again, but still rattle off a bunch of other wins and go 8-1 and one down the stretch? Come on. Please. N- not, not possible. And it, it's a great example of when you get a new sexy team that you think has a lot of talent, if you have zero, and I mean zero faith in their coach, don't ever think they're going to be good. Because we now have pretty good evidence that the Tom Sula's, that the Freddie Kitchens, the guys that have no business, and I mean no business, being a head coach, are going to be beyond over their head. They're going to have no answers to the test. You know, it, it, they're not going to have a shot when they play good teams. And in the NFL, you're just you're going to play the Seattle's and the and the Belichicks and the and you know, just playoff level teams. It's just a nature of any football schedule, but. Then when you play the random teams that, you know, when you play uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, you're not some lock to beat them. When you play the, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, they might beat you. You just, you can lose any of these games. And I think it's a great example of you have to put, when you're in a coaching search, you have to find the best guy. Because whenever you settle, especially when you settle on a guy that doesn't have an experience, you get this. You get a 2-5 and team 
looking like the ship is about to sink. Okay, let's, uh, before we do the Middlecoff mailbag, I, I just want to hit on just some different stuff I wrote down that intrigued me over the weekend. Uh, I mentioned this a little earlier, but J.J. Watt out for the season. You know, he he's hasn't been the same in terms of sacks, but I think as of a couple weeks ago, he was leading the league in pressures. He definitely looks stiffer to me, like not as explosive and not as, uh, you know, he just couldn't get home, but he was still really powerful. He still played hard, and he's still one of the Texans' better players. Like, that, that's a pretty big blow. You know, he tweeted... Basically, it sucks and all that. I mean, it sucks. You know, I, I he might be a little cheesy every once in a while, but I have nothing but admiration for his work ethic and his toughness. And I've gotten a lot of DMs asking me, like, is he a Hall of Famer? And for me to be a Hall of Famer, like, it's why I, I never am a believer in, like, longevity. Like, just if you do something for a long time. Like, I, I love Frank Gore. I absolutely love Frank Gore. When he was on the Niners... In his peak, was one of my favorite players ever. Was he ever a top three or four running back in the NFL? Maybe like once, you know? And again, I'm not trying to be a hater. I just think my standards for the Hall of Fame, like when I close my eyes and you say Hall of Fame, I think like Belichick, Brady, Rodgers, you know, Julio Jones, like the best of the best. And peak J.J. Watt for those, you know, like 13 to 15 or 16 was as good as it gets. His peak was elite of the elite. So, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Eagles win. It, it was a must win. They, they, they just didn't have a choice. You know? You couldn't go to Buffalo and lose that game. You went to Buffalo and you lost that game. Your season was over. So, they kept the thing afloat. Now, they get the Bears, who are reeling, coming to Philly. Pretty big game. Uh, but you, you think Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz were going to go to Buffalo and lose? Come on. And, and I like Sean McDermott, and I like the Bills. Like, I think they're a tough physical defense, but I, I, I think I heard something on the radio today or a podcast. I got to look at the box score really quick because of what I heard on that game, it was not pretty for, uh, for you-know-who, a.k.a. the Buffalo Bills quarterback. Let's see if I can find the box score. I'm pulling it up right now. Josh Allen went 16 to 34 for 170 yards and two touchdowns. So that's not terrible. Not terrible at all. Uh, but 31 to 13. You can only score 13 points against the Philadelphia Eagles defense right now. Come on. You got to be better, Josh Allen, at home. Gardner Minshew, you know, just wheeling and dealing. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost Nick Foles. I'm pretty sure in the first or second quarter of that game, it might have been the first quarter of week one. Breaks his clavicle. Week one. Eight games later, they're four and four with a six-round rookie quarterback. That that that's really really impressive. To go four and four with a six-round rookie quarterback, and they're really just a two-point play away from being five and three. They are. They got a big game this weekend against Houston. In in uh, I wanted to say like Spain, but it's it's, uh, it's the UK. Jameis. This is an insane stat. Now they got screwed. They the uh, they were playing the I almost called them the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans. They ran a fake kick, and Tampa destroyed the guy, the kicker or the holder or was the kicker, and he fumbled 
And they picked it up and went the other way and they blew it dead. Like, that's an embarrassment. Al Riveron, you're an embarrassment. But you get screwed, and I know uh, Bruce Arians was pissed off. This is an insane stat. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played seven games. Jameis Winston has 12 interceptions. I mean, he's on pace for high 20s. Like, I, I feel like 25 picks is a lock if he doesn't get benched. Wow. The Chargers somehow, you know, with Eddie Pinheiro missing the, the kick, win the game. They're 3-5. and five. Then tonight, mid-Monday night football game, they fire Ken Wisenhunt. What? Fire Ken Wisenhunt? Like, who's going to call plays? Anthony Lynn? Come on. What are the Chargers doing? The Raiders, you got you to gotta give them credit. They really have played well. I, I was not a believer in John Gruden, but he has a team playing hard. Now, if he had maybe not blown a couple picks the last couple years on guys like Cleveland Farrell and Arden Key and taken some guys that actually can rush the passer, the Raiders set up three and four might be like, I don't know, five and two? That They have, beside the Chiefs game and the Vikings game, they legitimately should have won every game. I mean, they, they outplayed the Texans. Deshaun Watson just, you know, went Michael Jordan. And when you go Michael Jordan, in my experience, you usually win. But the Ra- the Raiders, they couldn't sack Deshaun Watson despite getting back there all the time. But I- I'd say, John, that's what happens when you're rolling out Arden Key and Cleveland Farrell. These guys aren't good enough. You took Cleveland Farrell at fourth overall with a fourth overall pick in a draft that was loaded with defensive linemen. You desperately need a linebacker. Devin White went the next pick. Josh Allen went the following pick. How does that happen? You took Cleveland Farrell. You can't draft character in the top five. You got to draft talent. Uh, The Jets, God, they suck. I mean, they suck. I know there's been a lot of like, is Sam Darnold the next Jameis? I'm not ready to go that far yet in terms of interceptions, but he is turning the ball over a lot. They trade Leonard Williams today to the New York Giants. Leonard Williams isn't that good. You know, he's just not. He's He's a tweener. He's probably more suited to play three, four, to be a five technique. Uh, but, you know, I guess he doesn't probably have to move. and <laughs> He gets to play at the same place. The Atlanta Falcons are 1-7. I'm going to repeat that. The Atlanta Falcons are 1-7. And, and when I looked up, I had the red zone on. And I'm pretty sure it was 24 to nothing. The most amazing stat of that game, though, is Matt Schaub threw for over 450 yards. And, I mean, the final score, I think, was like 24 to 17. I don't even know what the final score was, but it was it was a blowout. They got steamrolled. And it's the classic, like, oh, NFL scores don't aren't always indicative of the game. You're down 24 nothing at half. Like, jeez, Dan Quinn, 1-7. Danny Dimes threw four touchdowns. So don't, uh, don't sleep on Danny Dimes. Mailbag question. Who's your top 10 offensive-minded coach in all of football? Who's your top 10 offensive-minded coaches in football? Uh, right now, I'd go, you know, the guys that are grandfathered in would be Sean Payton and Andy Reid. Then I would put Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels. So that's four. I'd throw Lincoln Riley in there. That's five. You didn't say uh, you didn't say pro football, so I'd throw Lincoln Riley in there. That's five. Uh, you know, I think Sean McVay's earned it. So I'm, I'm going to throw Sean McVay in there. I'm going to throw Bruce Arians in there. I'm at about seven now. Who am I missing? You can't throw Adam Gase in there. You can't throw Jason Garrett. I'm going to throw Doug Peterson in there. 
He's Super Bowl playoff victory last year. Doug Peterson. My guy, Doug Peterson. Uh, I'm going to... Who am I missing? Some, I'm trying to think of some playoff teams. Got the Chiefs. You know, I'd go Frank Reich. Frank Reich. A lot of people, I always struggled with it because I called him like Frank Reich. It's Frank Reich. So I'm just going to call Frank Reich. I go Frank Reich. He'd be in there too. Uh, who else am I missing? The AFC South. I already got Sean Payton. North Turner. You could throw North Turner in there. Gary Kubiak. I, I struggle past about seven. But I feel pretty good about that group. Do you think Mike Tomlin is coaching for his job? The Steelers' problems seem like they're more than just losing a quarterback. Is losing Ben the only reason they're sucking? Well, they did win tonight. And I think I got this text at about when they were losing in the game. I do think they were somewhat coaching for their job and the GM was GMing for his job. I think I heard on some other show that the GM doesn't have a contract for next year. You don't trade a first-round pick for Minka if you're not living just for the moment. Uh, and they, they, I think they've traded. Like, I think they traded like a fifth-round pick for one of the Seattle's tight ends. So yeah, I mean, I, I think they're. I don't know if they're coaching like every game for their job, but I don't think they can afford to go six and ten. Could they afford to go eight and eight in the year where Ben tears his elbow? Yeah, but if they go eight and eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, I, I think that's a pretty impressive year. Newer listener of the podcast and love your material. Appreciate what you do. Thanks. Would love to hear your take on Brady putting his house on the market and what implications that may have. I personally feel like he knows his days are numbered and the final hurdle hurdle in cementing his legacy is to prove himself as a winner without Belichick. Hell, Belichick is stubborn old ox and I could see him wanting to do the same without Brady. If you're buying the speculation, where do you think he could land? So, I've thought a lot about this the last 48 hours. Like an unhealthy amount. My gut says he either retires, you know, they win the Super Bowl and he retires, or he just comes back to the Patriots. Because why would you leave the Patriots? And the upside to go prove your legacy, if you're Brady, you'd have the downside of, let's say you go to Team X, and we'll get in all these teams, and you go 6-10. and 10 Because... Like Brady's no dummy. He just has played all these teams for years. Like sometimes the team just has a shitty year. And that would, not that, like Steve Young said on Monday Night Football a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, no one will remember that in 20 years. True, but part, like, you can never argue who's more important. I mean, you can't argue it, but you can never win the argument. Belichick or Brady? Belichick or Brady? They're just kind of tied at the hip. The goats. But if they break up, And Brady plays two years, let's say for the Chargers. Let's say Josh McDaniels and him go to the Chargers, which I think would be insane. So Tom Brady, who you're my favorite quarterback ever. I think you're the best quarterback ever. You're going to go play for Dean Spanos, a guy whose legacy is being a cheap owner and a lifetime underachiever on the field and off the field, and tie your post-Belichick legacy to that guy? Even if Josh comes with you. That, that is insane. I don't give a shit if their roster looks like the 85 Bears mixed with the 07 Pats. That is a risk. That is just a risk. Now, Belichick, he'd win. I mean, this team, if he just somehow got his hands on like an Andy Dalton next year, they'd be fine. I don't know if he'd win the Super Bowl. 
but he'd win 10, 11 games, you make the playoffs. Like, Belichick is a lock to make the playoffs with just Jarrett Siddham, Andy Dalton, you name it. Just quarterback X, solid guy. Mariota, he'll figure it out. Tom's a little riskier because he's dependent on the organization. He's dependent on all these random coaches. Like, he's got Belichick. So what happens? They lose, they go three straight years, or two straight years lose defensive coordinators. Patricia goes, Brian Flores goes, and Belichick's like, ah, fuck it. Uh, Steven Belichick, I'll bump you up. Bielema, you're unemployed. Come here. I'll call the defense. They're like setting the record for interceptions in NFL history this year. Someone tweeted at or DM'd me tonight and said, do you think Belichick could call the offensive plays if he wanted to? I didn't hesitate to write 1 million percent yes. Now, would he be Andy or Peyton or, or Kyle Shanahan? Probably not. But I think if Belichick called offensive plays, he was the OC next year. Josh leaves. And let's say he elevates his kid to be the defensive coordinator. And Bill's like, you know what? I'm going to be the offensive coordinator. I think they would score a lot of points and be a top 10 offense. I believe that to my core. So I think it's much riskier for, for Tom. Now, like Young said, in 30 years, no one's going to talk about Willie Mays on the Mets. No one's talking about Tom Brady for whoever. Now, the one curveball is he's from the Bay Area. What if he called Kyle Shanahan and said, I want in? Now, the way Jimmy's playing, if Jimmy keeps playing like he's playing, it's not worth the risk. But what if they, the 49ers, you know, finish 14-2 and two and they're one and done in the playoffs? They lose in the first round, Jimmy doesn't play well. And Tom wins the Super Bowl. And Tom plays well. And it's like, I want in. You're going to turn him down? It gets a little complicated. I am buying that there's, like where they say there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, literally, I don't know if you've Googled in California, our whole state's on fire. Uh, there's something there. I don't know what. I, I do think Tom's too smart to realize, like, you just don't go anywhere. You just don't randomly go. Now, having been someone that lived in the Northeast, now, I was, I wasn't, I mean, no one knew who I was, and I had no money. I just wanted to come back to California because I'm from California, and I just like the weather out here. It, it helps my life. Now, Tom, like I was watching Michigan-Notre Dame when I was at the wedding this weekend. Genius. You know, you can watch games on your phone when you're sitting at the table and they're getting married. It's fantastic. And I'm thinking, it's so cold. <laughs> Look at how miserable this place looks. Tom Brady is not wired like a California anymore. California anymore when it comes to weather. He played four years at Michigan in that freezing cold weather, and then he's been 20 years in New England. So is his desire to come back to L.A. just for one year that big? He can retire and move there whenever he wants. So I guess to end this, I I think Tom would be nuts, and I get it. What made Tom great was his drive, this desire, this belief in himself. But man, I, I, I think what he had is so freaking special that if you want to keep playing, and I'm not even sure if he quite does it necessarily, like if he wins it again, just go out on top. But if you if you are going to think about to keep playing after this year, just play for the Patriots. As just a as a lover of, of greatness in, in football, don't break up with Bill. Because I think Bill kind of wants to. Bill's like, I dare him to leave. I think Bill's praying he leaves. I think Bill, that that, that would be my number one hot take. I think Bill Belichick would would you know you be like I'll give you five million you just take it out of my salary cap get Tom out of here I'll prove I can kick the shit out of anybody 
with Middlecoff at quarterback, with Stidham at quarterback, with C.J. Beathard at quarterback. I don't care. I'll win games. And I think at this point in time, you'd have to be an idiot to say, yeah, Belichick wouldn't figure it out. Because we all know he would. We all know he would. And Tom, it'd be a little more difficult for Tom somewhere else. Just because there are more variables. you got to learn new teammates. you got new coaches, owners, just comfortability. You don't have Belichick covering up weaknesses on the team. I, 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 My fingers are crossed Tom either stays or retires. I, I actually think he should retire. You know, if he if he wins the Super Bowl, just go out on top. I think that'd be badass. You have seven Super Bowls. No one is ever touching that record. No one's ever touching that record. Think about that. No one's ever touching that record. Think of all the records in sports. Could anyone score 100 points in an NBA game? Probably not, but it's... It's not crazy to think. I mean, Kobe scored 80. Could anyone 56-game hit streak? Or is it 54? That's that's breakable. The Cal Ripken streak is probably impossible. I think seven Super Bowl victories, I'd argue six, is never getting sniffed. Who, who in the NFL right now could even make an argument? Like, Russell Wilson has one. He's going to win five more? Do you think when Russell Wilson retires, he has three? I, I, if, I, if you set the number at two and a half... I'd hammer the under. Is Drew Brees going to win two? So it's just show he, he's won six, and he might win seven. Any reason Daniel Hunter on the Vikings doesn't get recognized as a top five pass rusher? Dude's an animal with the most sacks by age 25 in NFL history. Well, my buddies in the league, they tell me all the time, the Vikings have the best edge rushing combo in the NFL. They, they say it's just Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, best edge rushing combo in the league. So, yeah, listen, the media watches TV copies while they're eating cheeseburgers and, like, reading stuff on the internet. You know, the NFL people live in the film room. They're just banging all 22. So if you want to know who's the best, you can't worry about what a guy like me says or Colin says when it gets to the really, really nerdy stuff. You got to ask someone in the NFL. And you wouldn't meet an NFL personnel man worth their salt that wouldn't say Daniel Hunter's not a badass. I remember texting Flip last year during training camp, and he's like, holy shit, 99 is a badass. The Raiders have been an underdog in every game this season. Miami is the only other team, which means Vegas thinks Oakland stinks. Yet when I watch them, at least always in the first half, they play hard and have looks of a fringe playoff team, 9-7 and seven range. Am I that far off on my assessment of the Raiders or is Vegas undervaluing them? I think it, I think when the season ends, the Raiders are going to win six or seven games. But I, I agree with you, the Raiders are undervalued. They have a good offensive line. They have a good running back. Their most undervalued player, though, is the quarterback. Two, two and a half years ago, he was an MVP candidate. Now everyone acts like he's, you know, Kyle Allen. Just some scrub. Like, Derek can play. Derek just had three touchdowns on the road against the Texans. Didn't turn the ball over. Now he almost threw one, but he, to me, him and his more comfortable, he's more comfortable in this Gruden offense is a big reason why they've just been competitive. Media hates him. Twitter hates him. Like the guy can play a little bit. You think Harbaugh did enough to save his job tonight? Or you think he has to beat Ohio State? There's probably not a scenario where they win the Big Ten this year, but they've got a lot of young pieces. If not, he's trying to run off to the Redskins. I give him another year. He's not going to the Redskins. The win, not just beating Notre Dame, but kicking their ass, that, that's that's a big deal. 
You know, I, I think everyone was ready to bury Jim. And that's what happens when you're really good and you don't quite get over the hump. People are looking to kind of call you a fraud. Uh, I picked the Michigan Wolverines on Saturday morning. I just, I usually do picks like on Twitter at John Middlecoff. And uh, I, I picked them simply, no logic beside Harbaugh's bound to win a big game. He's just bound to win a big game, especially at home. And he did. And his team came to play. Like, Jim Harbaugh's not the village idiot, despite what everyone acts like and th- and people talk about him. Do you think the Patriots can go 16-0 and win the Super Bowl? I definitely think they can win the Super Bowl. I, I would say 16-0. You know, th- their offense isn't exactly the 7 Pats right now, so they could get into a game where it's just low scoring and maybe the defense doesn't make the play. I would be a little shocked if they went 16-0. To me, they feel when you watch them more like a fourteen and two team than I mean. I've only seen one sixteen and two team, sixteen and zero team in my life, and that sixteen and zero team felt like part of. To me, it's easier to be a sixteen and zero team when you have the greatest offense ever. Like if you have the greatest defense ever, if that's what you're known as, and not saying that they do, but they have one of the best defenses in recent memory, you're more likely to be a thirteen fourteen win team if your offense is just solid than you are a sixteen and zero team. Like the Patriots, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it felt like they were scoring 40 points a game with Welker and and Randy and Dante and all those guys. So I would say they lose a game. Now, they usually lose a random game. If I if you said, put a gun to my head, what's their record? I'd say like 15-1. and one. But I, I think they lose a game. Uh... Atlanta born and raised, now living in Charlotte. So obviously, I'm going Falcons related here. All the local outlets, the athletic included, are only talking about the timeline of when Quinn will be fired. They've mentioned for journalistic integrity related reasons, they won't speculate on coaching searches to replace someone who isn't fired yet, which I totally understand. With that said, who do you see as the most likely candidate for the job? Kubiak was interested in the OC job last year. Like, is Kubiak an uh, an option as a head coach? He has been sick before, and I think he's talked about he just wants to be an offensive coordinator. If you had to go candidates for the job, let's say the Jaguars go like 9-7, and 10-6, and six, and Gardner Minshew plays really well. I think John Filippo would get an interview. If the 49ers keep doing what they're doing, Mike McDaniels, one of the young guys on Kyle's staff, who worked with them in Atlanta that Kyle credits as just like his little genius. Uh, I think he would be an interview candidate. Uh, Josh McDaniels, you know, the connection there with, uh, I guess, yeah, Thomas Dimitrov. They crossed over a little bit in New England, but he's just a New England guy. I I could see Josh McDaniels interviewing there. Uh, I could see, you know, Arthur Blank's got big money. Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley take, you know, swings like that. The the Falcons will, they're not just going to go after like the Jim Tom Sula's and Anthony Lynn's. I I would expect them to go after big time names. Now, like, do you want to coach Matt Ryan? That's the other thing. Like, is, do you want to be tied at the hip to Matt Ryan? They just gave him a hundred million dollars. So you're kind of stuck with him for next year and the following year. You're, you're stuck with him for two more years. I'm an Eagles fan, and all I see is people saying the Eagles should go get uh, Robbie Anderson from the Jets. However, I'm seeing Allen Robinson chained to a Trubisky cursed offense or other wide receivers that are in non-winning teams. 
Would it be that much harder to get someone like Robinson instead of Anderson? Yes. Under no circumstances, if I'm the Bears. Unless you gave me a first-round pick, which I don't think you can do, would I give up Allen Robinson? I would not give up Allen Robinson for a second-round pick. Unless you're giving me a first-round pick, which no one's going to do, I'm just keeping him. He is too good of a player. I love Allen Robinson. I would much rather have Allen Robinson than Robbie Anderson. I don't really love Robbie Anderson. Now, I'm not acting like I've studied him that much. I, I get he can fly and he can make some plays. I think the Eagles just kind of stand pat and just maybe I'm wrong, but I, it just doesn't feel like the trade market, they can't really overspend. It just doesn't make sense to give like a second round pick. And I don't think like where they're kind of want to spend like that fourth round range, there's any players worth trading for. Hey, John, love the pod. One of the things you mentioned on your podcast is that getting fired is one of the best things that happened to you. You mentioned it made you reflect and learn from your mistakes. I'm wondering what some of your key learnings were from experience. I personally feel that failure is the best teacher, probably because I failed a lot. I love to hear your reflections. Well, I'd say when I got fired in in Philly by Chip and Howie, and funny, I mean, how he fired me, I'm still plays with the guy, is that one thing I probably regret a little bit when I was scouting, and it was hard. I, I was in my 20s. I was the lowest guy in the totem pole. But I'm pretty opinionated. And I, I just, I, I didn't really get outspoken till right at the end. And we had a changeover and chipped in like that. But the one thing that I, when I left, I always realized is like, if you believe in it, just stand up and say it. You know, and believe in what you say. And don't be scared of that. You know, and that was one thing in Philly. Sometimes I I probably wasn't assertive enough. And just, and I probably could have been. But it, it was, it was hard. I mean, it wasn't like, I, I couldn't just go storming into Howie's office every day and bang the table. Though, we, I mean, all of our office, it was a small operation. You know, there were different times when a guy like Andrew Sandejo, who's ironically, I think, now on the Eagles, I think he's on the Eagles now. But he was on Minnesota for a long time and a really good player. I, I loved him. He was in that little league that was, uh, I forget what the league was even called, but they had a team in Sacramento and Vegas and Omaha. And I, I just didn't pound the table hard enough. You know, I just didn't make it kind of hurt. You know, just I wasn't loud enough about it. And sometimes looking back, I, I could have definitely been more sort of, again, it's easier to say now I'm 35, I, you know, I've just, I mean, that was 10 years ago, you know, so you just have, I make more now in a quarter than I did there in a year. So you just, you become more confident in yourself. It's, it's things like you're, you learn from your mistakes of knowing that you couldn't have probably done what you're going to do later. And the second time I was fired from radio is just, I was unhappy in a situation and I was stuck when life's so short. To be miserable at a job, and I mean truly, I was miserable, is the worst way to live possible. I don't care how much money you're making. Now, if you're, you know, I didn't have kids either, so I, I understand like you can't just up and quit every job. But I, you know, I, I think if if you are confident enough in yourself, it's a great part about America, and you are talented at whatever you do, you you can always quit and find something else. If you despise who you're working for. You know, life's too short to be in places for years upon years. Now, you're going to be miserable, and it's human nature. 
I get mad at shit I do now and I watch and talk about sports for a living. You know, and we all have to do things that we don't love doing on a given time. But living in misery is and the best thing like I, I, I despise everything Chip Kelly stands for as an evaluator, football philosophically. I, I would have hated it. So, you know, everything's happened for a reason. Not being in radio has led me to doing this, which is, you know, I, I have the biggest audience I've ever had in my life because of this. So, and there are other things just, you know, I think you learn a lot from per, when you're in personal relationships, breakups and stuff, but definitely ne- never be scared to stand up for yourself. You know, never be, never hesitate to defend what you believe in. Because as a wise man told me, the only person who truly cares about you is you. <laughs> you know, that's this is reality. With Matt Stafford playing at an MVP level clip, should the Lions be buying at the deadline? The offense has had its ups and downs. Hint, we have no run game. I think the running back got hurt. The defense is heavily bent and not really broke this year. Word on the street is Philly wants Slay. Should the Lions deal him and put team stock in it next year, or do we have to buy? Is it time for Detroit? Bob Quinn's draft picks have been hit or miss. I don't want to give up on this year, but people in Detroit deserve a good team. I actually think the Lions could win this weekend. I mean, they're playing the Raiders in, in Oakland. Um, you know, I wouldn't punt on the season, but if you get a second round pick for Slay and, you know, if Patricia doesn't want him, I don't think that would be a crazy move at all. Hey, John, love the pod all the way from Mexico. Viva la Mexico. With Bill reaching the 300 win, do you think Brady will reach 250 this season? And if so, when? Well, how many wins? I'm going to Google Tom Brady right now. It is. I looked it up yesterday. If you combined Sean Payton and Andy Reid, Andy had 200 wins going into the Packers, so he's still at 200. Sean Payton, I don't know if it was before. It, it must have been after the Arizona game. Had 125 wins. Combined, they have 325 wins. The two of them. 325 wins. They Combine them, they only have 25 more wins than, <laughs> than Bill Belichick. That is pretty wild. I don't have Brady's win-loss record in front of me, so. Maybe I do, actually. No, I don't. So, I, I would say that Sure, maybe he'll get 250. <laughs> uh, what's the Pete Bill NFL film that you mentioned on the pod? Huge fan. The Pete Bill NFL film. Oh, it's just the it's just the NFL films of the Super Bowl where Belichick refuses to call the timeout and Pete's freaking out. And then they run the pass play after the Marshawn Lynch run and Malcolm Butler picks it off. If you just go to YouTube and type in you know, whatever that Super Bowl is, or Seahawks, uh, New England Patriots, you know, mic'd up Bill Belichick, you'll, you'll find it. I mean, just just go to YouTube, watch Bill Belichick mic'd up, it's great. Appreciate everyone listening, thanks. God, it's pretty good, uh, pretty excited. We got a good Thursday night game, well, I mean, kind of, in theory, 49ers, Kyler Murray, should be kind of exciting. Uh, I may have a good guest coming up. A former quarterback, former number one overall pick. I guess he's technically still a quarterback, but he's retired. I might have run into him at the golf tournament, and after a couple cocktails, you know, the producer in me went, hey man, love to have you on. And he said yes, and I was emailing with him today. So uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition 
That would be for Friday. So we'll talk about the game Friday and have a little interview potentially. I'd be pretty fired up. I think it'd be pretty good. Again, I I don't do guests unless they're big, big guests. We've had Lincoln Riley, Andy Reid, Howie Roseman. This would be a pretty big guest. Pretty good guest too. Okay, adios. Share with your friends. See ya. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.